Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Locked on ACC for February 18th, 2020. I am Brian Wilmer. I'm your host. I'm from FB Schedules and College Hoops Digest, as you've come to know. Glad to share another day with all of you. If you want to contact us, you can do so via Twitter at LockedOnACC. You can also email us, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. Send us your voice memos, whatever you may want to do. There's a pretty big story with which to start the program today, and that is last night's Carolina-Notre Dame game. You know it's bad when you step away from the computer for a minute and you get a notification from your buddy Jake Zimmer, who also shares the uh, the College Hoops Digest mantle with me, who says, quoting, UNC blows a 15-point lead on a desperation three ball with two seconds left. You literally cannot make it up. You've got lots to talk about at Locked on ACC. Yep, Jake. Yeah, we do. So let's start here. Jake mentioned the 15-point the lead. Yeah, that happened. 64-49, the Tar Heels led. Roughly five minutes left in the game. And then that happened. Carolina scored its last field goal at the 139 mark. A Cole Anthony bucket gave Carolina a five-point lead at the time, 76-71. Notre Dame goes on a 6-0 run over the last 126 of the game. And actually, if you extend that out, they were on a 13-3 run over the last 414 of the game to bring it home for the Irish last night. Some statistical stuff to look around the game. Carolina shot 42%. Not great. Not terrible. 28 of 66. 40% from three. They were 8 of 20. As much as free throws have been kind of a bugaboo for Carolina, they were not last night. They were 12 of 14. 86%. And of course, you can extrapolate that out and say, well, they had hit one of those two. They missed. Well, sure. But let's not go there quite yet. They only turned the ball over 12 times. Those 12 turnovers led to 13 Notre Dame points. They snared 47 rebounds, 18 of them offensive. More on that in a minute. They also dished out 18 dimes on 28 buckets. Notre Dame, 44%, 28 of 63. 32% from three. They were 11 of 34. Here's the problem. You want to talk about teams struggling from the line. Notre Dame, 10 of 17 from the line. Just 59% for the Irish. Amazingly, Notre Dame only turned it over six times. That led to seven North Carolina points. Notre Dame out rebounded 47 31. Only 10 of Notre Dame's rebounds were offensive. Cole Anthony, 23, led all scorers. He was 7 of 16 from the floor, 3 of 8 from 3, 6 of 6 from the line. Garrison Brooks, 22 for the Tar Heels. He was 11 of 18. He also snared seven boards. Brandon Robinson, 11 points off the pine, 4 of 8. Three of six from three. He also grabbed three rebounds, dished two dimes. Armando Baycott, just one of six from the field, two points, but grabbed 10 rebounds while committing four fouls in 24 minutes of play. Prentice Hub, 20 points for Notre Dame, seven of 17 from the floor. He played 38 minutes. Three other Irish players in double figures TJ Gibbs, 14, John Mooney, 13, Nate Leshesky, 11. Leshesky, had the final three points of the game. Three pretty significant points. He hit the three 
with two seconds left to win the game. Rex Fluger, not a very big game for Notre Dame, just three points, one of three from the field, but six rebounds, five dimes. One of those rebounds, one of those dimes came to set up the game winner. He snared the Mooney miss with six seconds left, then dished it out to Leshevsky for the game-winning assist. Notre Dame's biggest lead, nine points on the night. They led 33-24 in the first half and, of course, led when it mattered. The hustle stats comparison, if you look at how the teams did, points off turnovers, 13-7 Notre Dame. We mentioned North Carolina, 47-31 rebounding advantage, 18-10 offensive. Second chance points, 16-8 Carolina. Bench points, 19-11 Notre Dame, 28-24 in the paint for Carolina, 10-3 in transition for Carolina. Crazy game. And of course, we'll hear from both coaches, as you might imagine, but let's start by hearing from Mike Bray and his uh, rather amusing thoughts after that one ended. Okay. Had him right where we wanted him, right? With about 10 minutes left. Uh, I give our guys a lot of credit. I thought we looked flat out exhausted, and maybe we probably were after that stretch, and we found a little something to finish, and I thought our defense was fabulous, you know, the last six, seven minutes. And then we had a number of different guys want to take big shots. It's a huge win for us to get out of this stretch two and two. <laughs> you know, it's – We'll we'll take it. Very, really proud of our group. We're thoroughly exhausted now. Good we don't play till Sunday. You're down eight, or you're down fifteen with eight to play. What's the speech you're working on? You know, it's it's really it's them. I mean, this group: Fluger, Mooney, Gibbs, and then Hub. Hub has a great voice, and Hub sparked us. Obviously, those guys talk in the huddles, and you know, they they knew exactly where they were. And we we're just—I was trying to make sure I had the right guys on the floor, but it, it was—it was our our captains just. And I thought was Fluger unbelievable down the stretch defensively with the steals, and there he is getting his hands on the offensive rebound and making the play. It's amazing. I mean, again, Nate made big shots. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing the plays Rex Fluger winning plays he makes. I mean, you know, but. It's uh, we needed it bad, and we were dead in the water. And I'm really proud that we f- figured out how to escape. Not really. He's really unique. You know, he's um, you know, it's his scoring is a bonus, but he passes and finds people. Um, his his instincts defensively are just fabulous. Um, and his nose for the ball, you know, tip in against Stephen F. Austin, tip in against Syracuse. How about the play he made? We were just talking. Tie up the guy at Wichita State in Maui. First of all, he fouled the guy. But we they gave us the arrow. He runs the out-of-bounds play. His nose for the ball when it's loose, I'm not, you know, it's it's amazing. And, uh, and, and he's playing a little sore, and I give him a lot of credit. Yeah, I mean this this this, I, this group. I think they've got some toughness about them, you know. And and uh, you know what TJ did to kind of jumpstart us. What Prentice did, you know, different guys wanting it. 
Um, you know, so it, it and our crowd was fabulous. It, you know, once we got going a little bit, they helped us. But, um, and then I've I've been on the Carolina side of it too. Some, you know, when it it happens to you sometimes, it just it's hard to escape it. But I mean, I know they haven't had all their bodies together. That was probably the first time. That's the first time Robinson and and uh, Anthony played together in a long time, I believe. Yeah, you know, we we started talking about the North Carolina game at the under twelve, ten minute. There was a timeout with ten minutes in Cameron. We started talking about Monday, and I said, "We're going to talk about Monday." When we went in the locker room after the game, I had Rod Bellanis get up and go through the scouting report for Carolina, and I and I actually said at the under four minute timeout in Cameron, "Who's guarding Cole Anthony Monday?" And TJ and Rex argued over it. We flushed that one quick, and I, you know, I thought we had a little bit of a hangover for a while, and I think some of it was physical because it was a draining week. Um, but I have a lot of respect for how we dug out of it. What is it about Nate Lashetsky down the stretch? I mean, he just seems like he's got ice. You know, he is uh, – I, I told him that's two – that's two big ones you've you know he uh I thought his drives were great in the first half you know he's starting to drive the ball um but he certainly you know those two Toledo and and today as soon as he caught it there was no hesitation and uh I think his percentage is better in those than the 38 and a half other minutes of a game Notre Dame's Mike Bray there you notice he commented about Fluger as well, and it kind of brings home when people just look at statistics after a game. They'll look at, well, this person scored this amount of points, and you know this person had a good game, this person had a bad game. I mean, you don't really take into account all of the little things that guys do to help teams win. And Rex Fluger is one of those kind of glue guys you always hear coaches talk about. Like I say, didn't really light it up on the scoreboard, but when you look at those last six seconds, Notre Dame probably doesn't win the game without him. And you can extrapolate it out further than that if you'd like. Let's go ahead and take the first break of the program. We'll come back. We'll hear from Roy Williams and his tone, as you might imagine, considerably different. This, folks, is Locked On ACC. Welcome back to Locked On ACC for February 18th, 2020. I'm Brian Wilmer. I'm at Sports Matters on Twitter. And you are right here with Locked On ACC. You heard Mike Bray in the first segment, and we've got a lot more coming up. We'll talk about some more basketball stuff, some baseball stuff, some softball stuff. But first, let's hear from Roy Williams. So frustrated to the point where he actually swore in the postgame presser. You won't hear it, but you'll hear him apologize for it. North Carolina's Roy Williams. Congratulate Mike and his club for how the toughness that they showed down the stretch. Uh, Hub really hurt us. We couldn't keep him in front of us. So he's driving to the basket every time. And then all of a sudden, they started making some threes. Threes as well. Uh, we turned it over two times. One time on the far side, Leakey, and then one time Garrison inside. And that gave them more energy as well. Uh, uh, last shot, I thought Garrison really played John really well. John's a load to have to guard. Uh, he missed the shot. Uh, Rex just got uh, Christian, just pushed him right out of the way. And uh, I'm not saying that in a negative manner. He wanted the ball a lot more. And uh, 
got a big time rebound for them and threw it out and uh, uh, they made a huge shot. Uh, it doesn't feel good for us, doesn't feel good at all. Uh, we have a four point lead and have a turnover on the illegal screen, which is not the way we want to play. Uh, and then uh, last possession, uh, I don't like to just uh, uh, not attack the rim, uh, but uh, again, the whole thing is they made, they were tougher, they made plays, uh, uh, plays down the stretch. Uh, and I think you really just have to congratulate those guys for making those plays, making threes, and uh, uh, we're not feeling real good right now. We're not uh, feeling like we're getting a lot accomplished right now, but uh, uh, the bottom line is we played Notre Dame tonight, and the bottom line after that is that we're going to play Louisville. We're going to play Louisville on Saturday and see if we can show up and play again. Okay, I'll answer any questions you have. Called timeouts in the six minute and two minute range, and both times you guys turned it over. How huge was that? And how frustrating was that? Uh, it's frustrating because I called a timeout at the six minute mark because I had Garrison over there and wanted to get him in the game. And uh, uh, the other one was at the illegal screen. Yeah. 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 Dunk down from Garrison, I think. Okay, it was Garrison's turnover trying to throw it into Armando or whatever. Yeah, you don't like either one of those. There's no question about that. Uh, uh, but. Again, congratulate them for making big plays that they had to make. Roy, Saturday and today, it seemed like there's a, a lot of things that you can draw on during the game. How, how do you get the guys to focus maybe on the positives and not just on how things end? Well, you got two choices. You can uh, you can compete your butt off, or you can get up in the fetal position and curl up and start crying. I'm not going to freaking do that. We're I apologize to everybody, everybody, everybody. We're going to freaking compete, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, we play Saturday. You can feel sorry for yourself, and you feel sorry for yourself, and you're going to do that the rest of your freaking life. And I apologize. I usually don't. You know, I don't know what I'm doing right now when I weigh up cursing. But uh, you can feel sorry for yourself, and you can give in, or you can freaking compete. There's only two choices. There's no halfway. You got to be all in, or you got to uh, leave. I mean, come on. It's not. Uh, it's not an easiest thing in the world, but you still got to compete. It makes no difference. Uh, we're going to play the games they put on our schedule. We're going to try to compete as hard as we can. And uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating. It makes you angry. Every little little mistake, you wonder why. But the bottom line is, we're going to play a game again on Saturday and see what happens. Nineteen-five run to start the second half. What was working well for you guys? We were getting the ball inside and trying to do a better job of that. And Garrison was delivered when we got it inside. Well, do you think it's a matter? Of, it's a matter of nerves now at this point. No, I mean, you guys think of it. What did they do that makes you that you attribute to nerves? Seriously, we didn't go 0 for 5 from the line. Seriously, I'm asking you guys this. They made three big threes in the last three or four minutes. There was nothing in nerves. Uh, Cole missed the long shot. Maybe the turnovers could be a little bit that you're a little fidgety, but it's not nerves. The guys didn't go belly up. They made some mistakes, and Notre Dame really capitalized on those. That call you made to Muffet a few weeks ago, um, what did you draw from that? Have you made calls like that before to, to people in the women's game? Uh, only one to four in the women's game, but I've done that a couple of times in my lifetime as coaches. I'm really lucky, guys. I, I'm, I'm a basketball coach, and uh, I have some great, great friends. I mean, Mike Bray is a superstar. I've got Lon Kruger, Tuggy Smith, Tom Izzo. Mark Few, I can go on and on and on, the guys that I just love. 
And uh, Muff is uh, a proven winner. She's a national championship coach. And I saw her press conference, and uh, uh, Steve got the copy for me. I heard about it, and I saw it, and it just hurt my heart. I decided I wanted to call her. But she's fantastic, and she's a national championship Hall of Fame coach that it's things aren't just going very good for her. You hear that tone from Roy Williams, and you can just hear the frustration. However, I, I think in, in concert with the frustration, you can hear that he's still coaching his kids. He's still trying to get what he can get out of them, not just for this season, but for the rest of their lives. And that's kind of an unappreciated trait about coaches. Sure, everybody's going to talk about Carolina's record this year, and everybody's going to talk about what's happened to them, and we'll talk more about it here in just a second. But Roy Williams... Just in a couple of comments there, shows that even though he may have one-and-done players, he may have a bad year or whatever else, he's still trying to instill life lessons in these kids. And he talked about, you've got two choices. You can compete or you can leave. That's really a message for life. You've got two choices. When times get tough, you can compete or you can quit. This may be a lost year for North Carolina on the court, I'm interested to see what North Carolina does with this year in terms of moving forward and really growing kids. I had kind of an unrelated conversation with UNC Asheville coach Mike Morrell going from last season into this season. They had a really tough season in Asheville last year. They won four games. And Mike, basically, when I asked him what he learned from the year and and whether he was better for having gone through it, he gave me a very similar message. And he mentioned that these kids would keep this with them for 50, 60 years. That's what Roy Williams is doing here. Sure, the results have been tough on the court. When you consider those results on the court, Brian Ives, we've mentioned him on Twitter before. We'll mention him again at a way to worthy. His statistic is just incredible. North Carolina opponents this season have made a field goal or free throw to take the lead with... 3 seconds left, 13 seconds left, 27 seconds left, 23 seconds left, 1 second left, 17 seconds left. As time expired twice, 1 second left and 2 seconds left. That's tough. It's really tough to guide your kids through that much late game heroics. Uh, However you want to label it, that's probably the best way to label it is heroics. But it's not so much about what you take from this year, this year. It's about what you take from this year five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And maybe we shouldn't just look at how Cole Anthony responds or how Garrison Brooks responds, but look at how Andrew Playtech responds and Justin Pierce and guys like that, guys that may not go on to long distinguished NBA careers, but will eventually become coaches, possibly husbands, fathers, productive members of society, whatever it may be. Think about what lessons they'll learn from this year. It's something we don't really have a ton of time to unpack on this program, but it's an intriguing thought nonetheless. And like I say, it's not so much about what happens to you in the moment. It's about what happens to you down the road. Just a tough, tough season for Carolina, but we'll see how they come out in the long run from it. As we wind down the second segment, let's tell you very briefly that Virginia senior forward Mamadi Diakite was named the ACC Player of the Week. Miami guard Isaiah Wong earned the Freshman of the Week award. Diakite averaged 17.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, a block, and a steal as Virginia posted victories over Notre Dame and North Carolina last week. 
Diakite scored the game-tying bucket with 25.1 seconds remaining on the way to an ACC-high 20 points and 5 rebounds as the Cavaliers held off Notre Dame Tuesday. He also scored 15 and grabbed 4 boards on Saturday as Virginia beat Carolina back-to-back for the first time in school history. That's back-to-back at Carolina, I should mention that. Diakite shot 52% from the field, 13 of 25, 9 of 11 from the stripe last week, averaging 13.7 points, 6.5 boards for the Cavs. Wong averaged 17 points, 4.5 rebounds, and 3 assists as Miami won by double figures twice last week. They beat BC 85-58 and Wake Forest 71-54. He led the team or tied for the lead in scoring in both victories. Wong was 12 of 20 last week, 60%. 3 of 6 from 3, 50%, and 7 of 8 from the line, 87.5% for the entire week. He had 21 points on 7 of 10 shooting, 5 boards, 3 assists, and 0 turnovers in the Boston College win. That was Miami's largest ACC victory since 2014. So congratulations to Mamadi Diakite and Isaiah Wong for their plaudits from last week. Let's go ahead and now take the final break of the program. We'll come back, give you some baseball and softball news and break down tonight's basketball game. This is Locked on ACC. Welcome back to Locked on ACC for February 18th, 2020. One segment left in the program and one game tonight on the ACC slate, Pitt and Florida State. That is an 8 o'clock tip over ACC Network. Florida State, giving 10 and a hook to the Panthers in Tallahassee. Florida State 21 and 4, they're eighth ranked in the nation, pit 15 and 11, and probably looking at an NIT bid unless they make a late season run. But if they do make that run, it's got to start tonight at Florida State. Since yesterday was so basketball heavy, we didn't get a chance to look back at baseball and softball from the weekend. Let's start by telling you the baseball players of the week. Miami sophomore catcher Adrian Del Castillo was chosen the first ACC Baseball Player of the Week of the 2020 season. Notre Dame junior left-hander Tommy Sheehan earned ACC Pitcher of the Week awards. Del Castillo helped Miami sweep Rutgers over the weekend, batted 556 for the series. He had a double, two homers, three runs scored, and six RBIs. He had a two-run RBI single in the third inning Friday night, went three for four, hit two homers, knocked in three, On Saturday, Miami won that game 8-2, and he had an RBI single in the first inning Sunday. Miami won that game 13-6. Sheehan pitched at UAB to start the season. He allowed one hit for the Irish. That came in the sixth inning. He struck out a career-high nine, pitched seven scoreless for Notre Dame. Notre Dame won 4-2. Is their first season opening victory since 2016. So your ACC player and pitcher of the week Those awards announced by the league. So let's take a look at the baseball standings after the weekend. Carolina and Miami atop the Coastal. Of course, it's very early. Tar Heels and Canes both 3-0 to start the season. Pitt 3-1, Duke 2-1, Georgia Tech 2-1, Virginia 1-2. After winning the opener against Oklahoma and Pensacola, they got swept in a doubleheader Saturday. And Virginia Tech 0-2. The Atlantic... NC State and Clemson start the season 3-0. The Tigers swept Liberty at Clemson over the weekend. Wake Forest and BC both 3-1. Notre Dame 2-1. Florida State 2-1. And Louisville 1-2. The Cards lost 2-3 of to Ole Miss over the weekend. Today's schedule around ACC baseball 
starts at 3 o'clock today. Elon at number 22, North Carolina. Also, Longwood at number 15, NC State, and VMI at Virginia, your 3 o'clock games today. East Tennessee State and Virginia Tech at 4. William & Mary at number 16, Duke at 4. The Citadel at Clemson also at 4 o'clock, along with UNC Greensboro at number 18, Wake Forest. Number 19, Georgia Tech, Georgia Southern at 6 o'clock. And South Florida and number 12, Florida State. They are your 6 o'clock game. We should also mention the softball players of the week. Florida State won both. Kirsten Landers, the Seminoles outfielder, the ACC Softball Player of the Week. Kalen Arnold, the Pitcher of the Week. Landers helped Florida State go 5-0. They beat Alabama twice in the first week. She batted 579, 11 of 19, 7 RBIs, 7 runs, 2 stolen bases, and a slugging percentage of 632. Arnold pitched 12 and a third innings for the Seminoles. Didn't allow an earned run, struck out seven, allowed six hits, and walked two while holding opposing batters to a 140 average. She threw a five-inning shutty against Alabama in which they run-ruled the then-second-ranked Crimson Tide. Your ACC softball standings through two weeks thus far. Duke pacing the league. They are 8-1. and one. They've won five in a row. Notre Dame behind them, 7-2. Virginia Tech, 7-3. Clemson, 7-4. Florida State, 7-4. Virginia, 5-4. NC State, 5-4. Carolina, 5-5. Carolina started the season pretty strong and has since fallen back to 500. Pitt, 4-5. Syracuse, 3-4. Georgia Tech, 3-5. BC, 3-6. Just two games on the ACC softball docket today. Clemson at UNCG, that is a 3.30 first pitch for the Tigers and Spartans and North Carolina Central and number 22 North Carolina, 5 o'clock in that one. We'll have much more baseball and softball talk coming up. We'll look ahead to the games for the weekend, tell you what to expect if you're wanting to watch baseball and softball over your couple of days away from work, or if you don't work, your couple of days over the weekend. We'll go ahead and wind down the program at this point. You can send us an email, like I said, lockedonacc at gmail.com. Send us your voice memos. Keep them clean, please. Keep them short as much as possible. You can also tweet us at lockedonacc. Again, I am at Sports Matters. If you want to follow my individual thoughts, maybe ACC related, maybe not. Before we leave, though, I wanted to share one thing with you. There's a book coming out that you need to purchase if you are at all a reader. Publishing date, March 3rd. For The Back Roads to March, the unsung, unheralded, and unknown heroes of a college basketball season from the great, the legendary John Feinstein. And let me just say very briefly, I had the chance to sit next to him for an entire day at the Big South basketball tournament last year. Just what an experience. You get a chance to meet one of your all-time heroes and Feinstein's one of mine being a a media person and sports writer and consumer of sports-related media. Couldn't have been a nicer guy, just everything you would hope whenever you meet somebody that you hold in such high regard. Run out and get that book, especially if you're an underdog advocate as I am. It's going to be well worth the read. With all that said, that is Locked on ACC. February 18th, 2020. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. We'll talk about the Pitt-Florida State game in a little more detail and anything else going on around the conference. Tell your friends, tell your family, 
tell your senators they need to listen, just as you did, to Locked on ACC. See you tomorrow. Love you. Mean it. (laughs)